There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about ice age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Now, it's that time of year where we are trying to organize and prep and plan for the upcoming season, and some of the gear that we use takes batteries now you should go visit your local interstate battery store or visit interstatebatteries.com to check out all the different varieties of batteries that they offer they have truck batteries they have batteries for your trail cameras they have batteries for your rangefinder and everything else that is electronic that you use for your hunting equipment they have batteries for that interstatebatteries.com awesome company check them out My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting, the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet chasing bears. Welcome to the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. We're going to be doing a couple of episodes here with houndsmen and their hounds. On this podcast, we're meeting with my good friend, Steve Hurd. Steve is 70 years old, and there are pictures of Steve with, with uh, plot hounds when he was four years old. Steve's been around it his whole life, and he has, has been instrumental and, and is one of the, well, the main guy, aside from his late father, in developing the Bluff Creek strain of big game and coon hounds so this is a super interesting podcast steve is opinionated i like that i like a guy that's confident enough to talk about truly what he believes and so you're going to hear steve uh talk about his hounds and and he's proud of them and he's dedicated a good part of his life to breeding these dogs and he's he's 
He's had dogs all over the country on every available type of game, and he's got uh, he's got a lot of credential. You're going to enjoy this podcast with Steve, and I just want to say that I I gravitate towards people who know who they are and that know what they have. And so uh, sometimes confidence and boldness can be mistaken for arrogance. And uh, that's not the case here, in my opinion. So you're going you're gonna to like this podcast with Steve for sure. I want to bring your attention while we're talking about Houndsman. I want to bring your attention to the Houndsman XP podcast. Chris Powell and Steve Fielder, good friends of ours, and they started a podcast several months ago. They've, they've produced several well, I think they produced, uh, I don't know how many podcasts, eight to ten podcasts. Hey, these guys are dedicated houndsmen, and their podcast is all about hounds. They're talking to coon hunters, they're talking to breeders, they're talking to big game houndsmen, they're talking to guys from the east, from the west, and uh, it's a great podcast. If you enjoy hounds, you need to be subscribed to these guys. Lastly, I want to talk about our friends at the Western Bear Foundation. The Western Bear Foundation is representing hunters, and bear hunters specifically, in the hotbed of the West, where there's a lot of conflict mitigation that is going on between those that do not understand our ways as hunters and are against us, and those that simply don't have an opinion about hunting, but need to, and the hunters. It's like there's three different groups. Western Bear Foundation is, is putting a great face on hunters and create a, a new narrative. Western Bear Foundation, their goal is to keep bears on the landscape. And they're doing things with the, the, the finances that they produce and just their mission is to, uh, is to keep hunters in the woods and bears on the landscape. And uh, Joe Condellis out there does a great job. They're a membership-driven organization, nonprofit. And if you're a bear hunter, even if you don't live out there, I encourage you to be a member the Western Bear Foundation. Check them out at the westernbearfoundation.org. Lastly, we're going to like I said, we're going to be doing three podcasts. This first one with Steve Hurd about Bluff Creek plots. The second podcast with Steve Hurd is about breeding big game hounds, which will be released a week after this one. The third podcast about hounds, we we went to California. We went to the Greenhorn Mountains of California to interview Ed Vance. Ed Vance is 78 years old, and he just wrote a book called Trained by a Hound Dog. It's an incredible, incredible book about his 25-year career as an outfitter, outfitting for bear and mountain lions in California, Montana, Nevada, and Utah. Incredible man, incredible story. So get ready for the next couple of hound episodes. And Hey, if you're not a houndsman, listen to these. I feel like it's important for all of us to get behind all legal methods of hunting in this day and hour. If we're going to stand, we're going to have to stand together. And I think you'll you'll enjoy learning about hounds, learning about these guys, and hearing the passion that they have for doing what they do. Welcome to the Bear Hunting Magazine Podcast. This is a uh, this is a pretty special day for me to get to sit with uh, a, a a man that really has had quite a bit of influence in my life the last few years through hounds, and that's Steve Hurd, and he's got with his his son Colton Hurd. Um, we are we're at a truck stop 
not far from Stillwell. Stillwater. Stillwater, mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Right. And uh, we live about six hours apart. And uh, I was going to come all the way to see you. And he said, Steve said, well, I'll, I'll meet you. So that's what we did. But uh, I'll give a little introduction, Steve, with my history with you. That'd be what fun. we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm just going to turn it over to you and you can just talk all you want for two hours. Holy cow. No, no, Steve, Steve Hurd is a, is a, and this is the truth, a legendary, iconic plot breeder. He and his dad, his father's passed away, but Steve, Steve's, how old are you, Steve? 60? I'm 70. 70, I'm 70 years, years old. old. Okay. Steve's yep. 70 years old. Steve has been, and this is what we're going to get into is your yep. history with plot big game hounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, the breed strain of Bluff Creek plot yes. is what Steve and Colton have, have uh, perpetuated. Yes, yes yep. it's a family line of dogs. And, and let me just give a little bit of a little bit of context for people who may not understand big game hounds or may not even understand what's going on. But so the plot hound is a is a UKC registered breed of hound. Yes, it is. Um, and but inside of this breed. There's different strains of There's dogs. There's many different strains, yeah. Yeah, and so and so like big game hunters, coon hunters, hog hunters, you would know if you're a plot man, you would know, you know, what strain is better for what for, for what game. Right. And and, and and there would be like these household names exactly. like yeah. Bluff Creek. Yeah. And and where we kind of varied off from most people was so many people were breeding strictly for bear, strictly for hogs. I would name names, but I won't yet. Or, or, you know, or, or strictly for night champion coon dogs. And we believed, still do, that you can take a really well-bred dog. If it's bred right and, and, you, and you give him the opportunities, we believe that a well-bred dog can be used on all game. And we right. have the dogs to prove it. And, right. and, and a lot of people do. Okay, we're not, we're not the only ones. But I'm just saying that, right. that some people believe that when I bred grand night champion dogs into my bear dogs, that I would lose some bear qualities. And what I did was I increased a lot of the qualities of intelligence and locating that right. people had lost right. by breeding only for bear or only for hogs. Right. And, and, and when you, once again, in cats in the mountains or in bobcats anywhere, you, you need a locating ability. And <clears throat> a lot of people had bred that out, and we intentionally used the intelligence and the locating ability to, to solidify our strain and make it... Yeah. Make it so that people everywhere we're looking for it, and and also you know people call me for hog dog we have them. If yes. you want a cat dog, I had you know we've had them. Yeah, and or bear dog, yes. I mean, not saying that, not saying that other strains don't, but we right. but we specialized in having dogs that could you could just turn loose. And it, people right. say, well, how do you, do you tell that dog when you go to bear country that that that's what he's supposed to run? For some reason, we've been really lucky or something. And we go hog hunt country, we run hogs. If we go to bear country, we run bear. Right. If we go coon hunting at a UKC hunt, we hunt coon. So, and it's maybe it's intelligence again. Yeah. Well, we let me give a little bit of context too of of how I know you. Okay. Four years ago, I think so. Well, it was about four years ago we started to do the legendary bear hound series in Bear Hunting Magazine. You were the first one, Steve. Yes, I know. It, 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 somebody told me. Well, I saw a picture of Bear Path Gunner in a 
somewhere. It wasn't in a magazine. Yep. I think it was on social media. Yeah, it was. And, yep, uh, it was. and it was just this beautiful picture of this big plot dog. Well, not a big plot dog. Beautiful plot dog with a big bear. And somebody said, this is a legendary dog. And I, I said, man, I'd like to write an article about that dog. I didn't know yep, right. that dog from Adam. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not yep. from yep. Adam. Exactly. I sent a few messages, and I said, do you all know anything about this Bear Path Gunner dog? And four people at the same time said, Steve Hurt. I mean, it was like <laughs> messages coming in from every direction. And, uh, and somebody gave me your phone number. I yeah. called you, and yeah. I said, I'd like to write an article about this dog. Yeah. I want to say that since that time, the legendary Bear Hound series in our magazine has been highly successful. Fantastic. I think we've done yeah. 26 articles. I think so. I think so. Uh, so I think we're on 26 right now. But – so let's let's just start right there. And Colton, I want you to jump in too because you, you've been around these dogs your whole life. And yep. uh, um, but we can well okay. Then okay, I'm yep, getting yep, ahead of myself. Yep, yeah, you tell your story. Uh, he yep. he. We wrote this article. I got to know you, and uh, two or three months after the article came out, we were looking for a dog. And honestly, we weren't even looking for a hunting dog. It was just the kids were of age. We hadn't had a dog in several years, and I thought, man, it'd be cool just to have just a hound dog that could just be our pet. Because I'm an old coon hunter, but I had been out of coon hunting for 20 years. I really had, and had no plans of getting back into it. Um, I called you, said, Steve, I'm looking for a dog that we could just... I mean, I don't even know why I called you because yep. it was stupid to call you because you don't you don't give you don't sell dogs to people that don't really hunt. These aren't pets. Mm-hmm. But I called you and you said, "Man, will you tell me what you said?" Well, you, you you told me what that you were looking for, and I said, "You know what? You have kids, and and I'm I just love it. I mean, this is this is how some people get a dog from me is that they have young kids, and they're wanting those kids to see something for real for the first time, maybe. And so I decided, you know what? I had a really well bred pup, and I knew how what this pup would probably do on coon. Okay, sure, it went to a bear hunter probably, but I, I just kind of knew what this yeah. pup was going to do. And, and so, she was kind of a leftover from yeah, a litter. Yeah, yeah you so bet. So she was six uh, months yeah, old. Yeah, you bet. But she was already doing the, the right yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. So I said, you know what? I have one. I, I have one right here, and I'm just going to go ahead and move you up on the list and let you, you know, if you want this this dog, we'll, you know, meet me and, and we'll, you know, we'll meet. And you take this dog, and I think she's going to be exactly what you're looking for, not only as a friend for the family, right. but also as one of the best hunting dogs that you've seen. I mean, well, I, and <laughs> let me tell you what I tell everybody, Steve. Okay. At that time, I hardly knew you. Yep. Okay, this is several years ago. And we met you. Colton was there. Randy Mays. And, uh, yeah, Randy was there. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's this little, you know, skinny plot dog, six months old. And you told me. You told me everything that that dog would be doing and when it would be doing it. Right. Yeah. You were like, nine yeah. months old, it's going to start doing this and this and yeah. this. And you're going to have to run it with pretty good coon dogs or it's going yeah. to beat them to the tree. Yeah. You're going to have to. And, and I walked away, and I'm going to be honest with you. I said, if this dog does half of what <laughs> Steve Hurd said it's going to do, I'm going to yeah. be happy. Yeah. And I mean, to the day, that dog did everything yeah. that you said in let me just jump to the chase. It became to us a legendary hound. Fern's five years old now. Yeah. yeah. Well, she'll be five in November. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She'll be five in November. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We started hunting her. We hunted her a hundred nights the first. Uh, and, and again, we weren't even looking for a coon dog. Yeah. It was just like we started yeah. hunting, and the kids started loving it, and Fern was treeing coons and doing good stuff, and we just had the time of our life. And it. Uh, I mean, really, my kids will never forget that winter oh, yeah. when we yeah. went from the time she was. Uh, 
nine months old until the time yeah. she was about two years old. Yeah. We just hunted yeah. the hair off of her. Here, here's what I was trying to caution you. If you go hunting with somebody that has other breeds of dogs and Little Fern opens first or a, a, a plot hound opens first, a lot of people immediately say oh, the pup's got to be running trash. But you know what? Right. They, they, she was bred to have a better nose than those other dogs. She just simply was. And, yeah. and, 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 and also, she was bred to be independent. She was bred to, to not have to have somebody show her how to start to do something. She was, she was just natural. Everything's supposed to be natural. And that's the reason I've never yeah. owned a shocking collar. I've never shot. We don't shock our dogs. We want everything to be natural. If you have to shock yeah. them off of this and shock them off this, then the next puppies that they have, you're going to have to shock them off and shock them off. So we, we just let them do natural training. And yeah. it worked. It's still working. Yeah. I've been doing this since, you know, if you want to back up 66 years now. Well, that's and a great place to start. So yeah, I've told yeah, my story. Yeah. Tell me yeah. about your history with Bluff Creek Pots. Okay, we're sitting there in the house, and Dad got a true magazine, and in it was a, a story called uh, the, the Hounds of Plot Valley. And my dad sat down and read this, this thing. He was just so intrigued. And then he tried to read it to my mom, and she was, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. She was doing the dishes or whatever. But I, with my big ears, was sitting there just thinking, oh, my gosh, I love these stories. A dog that has the nose of a bloodhound, the speed of a greyhound, the, the grit of a, of, a, of a pit bull, the, the intelligence of a collie. This is what they actually said. you know, back Really? Then. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, they were all exaggerations. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but so much more. And Dad said, I've got to have one. I've just got to have one. My mom said, oh, yeah, sure. So, so he was just, he just had to have them. So he, there, was two, there was two plot hounds for sale locally, and Dad went and bought both of them, and both of them were decent dogs, but they still weren't quite what he was looking for. So he started writing letters to people in North Carolina, Arkansas, uh, any place in there where, where maybe there might be some kind of plot influence. Well, he just put a man's name, you know, Clyde Chillicote, Right here, and 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 a, and, a, and a, a town, no zip code, no nothing. We didn't have it back then. Okay, well, most of the letters were returned, but sometimes he would get a letter back, and all of a sudden he started hearing from some of those old people, Rags Nichols, and some of those old Clyde Burnett, and some of those old timers that were part of the Plot family, either through lineage, you know, through being cousins or whatever, or had right. got some of the early stock. So Dad said what what he was looking for. He wanted a true plot hound. Okay, so. After cutting through the chafe and what what year would this have been? This this would have been 1952. 52. Yeah, 52. Okay. Or spring of 52, probably. Okay, okay. spring of 1952. And I would have been four years old. Okay, right. and so finally he we, he found out what he wanted. He wanted the bloodline of Smokey and Cubby, which would have been like Smith's North Carolina Tom or Nickel Stormy. But then on the bottom side, he wanted Plots Fanny, and out of Lady Plot because all good dogs at the time, the, the, the super dogs, went back to Lady Plot. Okay. Now, so, at this time, too, Plots just became UKC registered in 1947. Right? 47. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think okay. 46. Yeah, okay. 47. I was born in 48. Yeah. And so yeah. this is kind of like a new breed of oh, hound. It, it is. But okay. they were established in the, in the Southern Appalachians yep. and North Carolina. But they had a terrible reputation other places around okay. the United States because people were breeding brindle dogs that had no plot blood in them and sending them off as plot hounds or trying, to, trying to, okay. I see. So anyway, Dad, the main thing that, that Dad learned and the main thing that I got up, picked up then and still carry with me now is don't, don't, don't take the phonies. Make sure, make sure that what you get is the real true plot hound. So they said, well, what pedigree are you looking for? I mean, he asked them, what should I be looking for? So they told him. So all of a sudden he opens up Full Cry Magazine. There's a little bitty ad in there 
from Rube Rosander from, from New Mexico. Mm. And it says, one, one plot male, 15 months old, I believe, uh, Rio Grande Chief, and then one plot female, Rio Grande Trouble, her sire, North Carolina Tom, her mother plots Fanny. And my dad just, oh my God, oh my God. So he had some surplus World War II weapons, him and a, him and a cousin, and they sold those and immediately sent $62.50 or whatever it was down at, to buy those two dogs, okay? And within about two weeks, I was there, walked out of the house. Dad had just got back from the train station in Protection, Kansas, and two big heavy wooden crates set them on the ground and out stepped Rio Grande Trouble. This is like from where the red fern grows. Exactly, and out stepped Rio Grande Trouble, and my heart started pounding. Oh, my God, <laughs> never seen a dog that looked like that. Look at this thing, and you, if you see the pictures, you'll understand yeah. what I'm talking about. And right then was the, was the start, that day was the start of So we took her hunting uh, by herself. Uh, the male dog would not hardly run it. He, he was Wells bred and he would not hardly run a coon at all, okay, mm. a raccoon. And, mm. But we took trouble by ourselves, and she went up the creek. Dad took me. I followed with him. Still and right there where you live today. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Is yeah. that right? right? Yeah, right on Bluff Creek. And she went straight up Bluff Creek, hit a track, ran a coon down, went in a hole, got it, pulled it out, killed it. Just just like that. Dad said, yep, that's what they're supposed to do. That's, that's what, what they're he said. supposed to do. That's what they're supposed to do right there. So, so And on that day, and Bluff that, Creek plots were well, established. Yeah, yeah, they were established. And he used yeah. the name Herds for the first, for the first okay. two or three litters. Okay. And then... It, he thought it would just be kind of cool. We lived on Bluff Creek, so he changed them the, the, by Bluff Creek, by Ozark Chief to Trouble Litter, Bluff Creek Drive, Bluff Creek Cindy Sue, uh, yeah. Bluff Creek Leader, you know, all those dogs, okay, yeah. from that litter. So, so, so in, in, uh, we hadn't said where you're, Protection Kansas, maybe we have already. I'm, I'm yeah. losing track of, you guys live in Protection Kansas, so Bluff Creek is in Kansas. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It, 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 it just right. comes around on the west side of Protection Kansas, and it yeah. goes right through our farm. Yeah. Uh, if you have a real good arm, you can throw a baseball from my house into Bluff Creek, okay? And, and all of our pups, every pup that we've ever had, including Fern and Bold and all the, that litter, and every pup we've right. ever had, including when I was little, my dad would let me take the pup. The, we had pups running loose. And, yeah. and we would take a twenty two single-shot rifle, my brother Stan and I, and go down and sometimes tree raccoons in the middle of the afternoon with those plot pups, you know, and we'd shoot it out to them and drag it home by the tail, you know. Sometimes they weighed 10 pounds or 7 or something. Yeah. But, but we, yeah. Yeah. So that, but we've always been right there. And, and so our, your dad was wanting to get these dogs for what? Well, because he, he, was, he was coon hunting dogs right. from, from Missouri, and they were high tan dogs, okay? They were black saddle with, black, with, with, with yellow trim, okay, buckskin trim. Yeah. Uh, Buck and, and Lady was their name. So he, but he wanted that, but he also, because they were bear bred, he wanted to send pups, sell pups. You know, everybody okay. wanted a little, everybody that farmed back then needed a little extra money. Yeah. And so he wanted to be able to sell pups. So he was a coon hunter. Oh yeah. Oh, he coon hunted hard. Oh. But from the beginning, he had in his mind that he wanted to send to be some yeah, big but he, game but dogs he, as well. But I, I hate to even tell this, but I'm going to tell you. My dad has, was invited by from people from Washington and from North Carolina and all everybody has always invited to go bear hunting and he never got to leave the farm to go one, bear hunting one single time. I'll but in 1950, he bred trouble in the in the spring. I think in the fall. Anyway, uh, he bred the first the first time he bred to 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 the chief dog, and those pups were mediocre to fair dogs, and he sent them. Uh, maybe to Nebraska and places, and they made a really good coon dog. But then, then from then on, he started breeding for bear dogs, and, and he bred to Owens Heavy, to Ozark Chief, and to Herd Smokey, and, and all those pups went to bear country. And, Dad, I mean, it was funny. People from 
Kentucky and from Tennessee and from North Carolina were buying pups from Kansas to go bear hunting with. And we always thought that was kind of odd, but yeah. but Dad had the blood. Dad had that, yeah. that special. So was that the first litter that the dog started excelling on big game? Oh, just immediately. Was, and once again, uh, he bred uh, Big Creek Lady. Uh, those dogs went to Michigan and places, and, and they were they were way above average quality. But Dad was looking for something. He wanted those dogs like like in that magazine article. He wanted them to be fat, colder nose, faster, harder triers, harder fighter. He wanted the epitome of what a plot hound should be. Yeah. And when he bred Ozark Chief, obviously I think that would have been the third cross, Heard Smokey, those dogs went up to, to, to Washington State, place like that, and they all excelled. Landry's yeah. Captain Kid was one of those. Yeah. And uh, they, they became, his dad's reputation started growing immediately. With, because people say, this is the best dog I've ever seen in my life. And, yeah. and, and Toby Harrell up there, in uh, the best bear hunter at that time in, in Washington State, was uh, he, he bought two or three of them. And he said, these are, these are better than anybody else has. He said, I wow. went down to, I drove. So they just had natural, <laughs> well, but, just a natural. Yeah. But when we get into ability. the breeding article later, I, I have some more, some deep, deep theories about why that this yeah. is, I mean, if, if you want to stack a gold, you can't go get a bunch of red bricks and then paint them gold. You have yeah. to keep stacking gold to make a gold stack. I mean, you, you, yeah. if you ever, if you ever lose even one generation of that strain that you're working on, then then it's so hard to try to go back because you can't find it. We nobody in this day and age has the time or the patience or maybe the ability to start a brand new breed of dog, and so we we're, we're relying clear back on those guys from the '40s, back in the '30s and the '40s that 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 lived in those mountains. And bred those dogs, and they didn't keep cold. They couldn't afford to feed a That's dog. Right. They could not afford to feed a dog. So they kept the very best, to, and they bred to the very best. And they bred, if they had to walk over the mountain, they would do it. <clears throat> yeah. And if those pups didn't turn out, you know what they did? They got rid of them. See what I'm yep. saying? So, yep. so by 1947, they had they had they had built 12 dogs. That's what the old timers would say. They, there was about 12 dogs that were the epitome of anything that the plot had ever been or would ever be. Okay. And, and certain people caught right on. Clyde Burnett kind of started a lot of it. Hack Smith deal caught on. Everett Weems caught on. My dad caught on. That if you would breed just a very tight circle around those very, very, very best dogs, that you could always have that kind of that caliber dog. Right. But if you let down your standards and bred to something lower. So go ahead. The, the, the problem is, is that people, you would think, I mean, someone that knew nothing about big game dogs would just mm. think that, oh, you got a bear dog, well, it's going to produce a bear dog. But no, that's no, not that the truth. Just, just, I mean, not, even no. inside no. of good lines of bear yep. dogs, no. you still it, have a yep. lot of misses. Yep. It's, there's, so there's, there's, what you want is consistency. And that's one thing that you guys that, have that, found yeah. is how to consistently yeah. produce mm-hmm. dogs. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And, and, and the funny thing is, Dad, Dad was one of the – Dad and Ever were, Ever Williams, <coughs> were two of the people that went against the, against the grain. The the big breeders back then were trying to tell you make sure that you breed unrelated dogs. Well, the immediately you you and and I, I don't know whether to mention you know some of the old timers or not. But but it's up to you, Steve. Okay, but there were certain people that had as good a bloodlines as what Dad had or Everett had or Clyde Burnett had or or, or Rags Nichols had. 
but they immediately would breed that line to something that was not related, and immediately, immediately, they lost all their Even comfort. inside of breeding it to a good dog. Yeah, so that's it, what it you're saying. Matter. So it's not it like they were. if the dog could walk on water. That's the right. puppies are still going to have to See, that's swim. not intuitive. Yep. Like you wouldn't. Yep. So yep. you're saying breaking outside of those family lines, even in the same. Yeah, you just can't do it. You just, you just, it, it. A, a man from Sweden that, that doesn't really believe in the line breeding stuff, you might end up get to hear this, Jan, if you hear this. Uh, he doesn't really believe in the line breeding, but he. But they said to be to become prepotent, which means that you produce way above the normal of, of the breed. Uh, they, he, somebody wanted to know it was, has there ever been a prepotent dog that was not tightly bred? And no, there's hmm. no. You, it has to be in, in order to to produce uh, the, the Morgan horse breed, J.P. Morgan. They, in order to to. to they had this one horse that was perfect. Well, the only way that they could reproduce him was to breed him to his sister and then breed that daughter back to the stallion. And they intensely bred for a Morgan horse from one horse. They just kept breeding right around closely. Wow. And that's how they built the Morgan breed. Well, the best of the plot hounds were built, built the same, bred the same way. And yeah. I found out, you know, talking to old plot family friends years and years and years ago, the plot family would breed a brother to a sister or a dad to his daughter just immediately. And they did it a lot, but they, sometimes didn't exactly tell it that way. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, sometimes yeah. they acted like they didn't, they, they didn't lie. They just didn't have the actual names on her. You didn't know they were brother and sister. Yeah. Okay, so. yeah. But, well, but the only way to establish a strain and to hang on to a strain, right now we, you know, we just go out there in our yard and we can breed any dog in our yard to any dog in our yard and we don't feel one bit of ashamed of doing it. And, and you've been doing it for and, and 60 years. Yeah, and we've been doing it. And, for, it, yeah. and it's not, yeah. and, and it, yeah. we know what it's producing. Yeah, I mean, I... I, uh, I have pictures in here of of dog matings, and I brought them along intentionally just because so you can see something here. And and I, I somebody says what's the best what's the best cross you ever made? Well, Bouncer to Donna produced this, and that was one of my best. And then Bouncer to Sue, and then Candy to Bragg, and then it just goes on and on and on. But once again, it's just the same dogs. All we're doing is just just you know turning. Yeah. The, it's the same field. Yeah. We just keep turning it over and planting a new crop. I mean, we, honest yeah. to God. Well, hey, before we get too far down that yeah, road, breeding. Yeah, I know. I, let's go back okay. to the history of Bluff Creek. And what I'm interested in is at what point did, did you guys and people begin to realize that or, or what point did Bluff Creek begin to have a lot of success with okay. big game and okay. lead me into Bear Path Gunner? Okay, I will. Okay, okay. So, gosh, do I get to think a minute? You can edit some of this stuff, right? Okay. So, <laughs> Dad sold Bluff Creek Drive to a man in Cherryville, Kansas. That man sent drive to his uncle. You can't hold me to all this because it's been a while. But he sent it to his uncle who lived just west of, of Salem, Illinois, where Everett Weems lived. Everett Weems had already bred up his strain of dogs uh, for about three generations, and he had Weems plot Susie, who was out of Nickel Stormy and the plot's Fanny bloodline. The same thing as Trouble was. So he had, suddenly he was looking for a male dog, and he was ex as particular as any other human being has ever been looking for a certain male dog. Tom Telford happened to be over there and saw this dog, Bluff Creek Drive, okay? Mm. And he said, Everett, I found a dog, so let's go. So they went over and looked at the dog, and, and I have a picture of Everett standing in front of the dog. And this was the epitome of what a plot hound should look like. And Everett saw the pedigree and said, oh, my God, this is the perfect dog right here. This is exactly what I'm looking for. So he took him home with him and bred Susie, and it produced a litter of pups that is can still considered by most people who really know as the greatest litter of plot pups ever born, okay? And that would be a Weems Plot John, Weems Plot Jeff, Iron Mountain Moon, 
uh, Cascade Candy, 400 bear kills. Uh, 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 Mr. Rourke's Nancy female. Uh, uh, Ursus, Weems, Blot, Jody. The entire litter became famous. Just bear dogs. I mean, the best bear dogs anywhere from, from, from one cross. And so those, that litter went out and a lot of other strains were developed. Every, no, uh, yeah. Is that correct? Okay. The Ursa strain started with Jody. The, okay. the Weems strain started with that. Dennis Paulson's Iron Mountain strain started with that cross. Mr. Yeah, Rourke's yeah, yeah. strain started with that cross. And Burton, Mr., uh, the Burton boys' is penny female, their whole line started with, that, with a pup from that cross. So mm. a little bit later, it was decided by Dennis Paulson and a few people, that in order to try to reproduce that, the quality of that litter, you need to take two people, two litter mates from that litter and, and, and have them as like the grandparents or something, okay? So this is when I kind of came in, and I knew exactly, just like my dad knew what he was looking for, I knew exactly what I was looking for. I had the Weems John dogs. Now, how, what's the time frame here? How old would you have been well, I was because the last time we talked, you yeah, were four years old. Yeah, so I, now I, 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 yeah. <laughs> once again, I'm just, I'm just following because I didn't have yeah. any input whatsoever. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then when I got out of college, uh, okay. I, I graduated from college in '68, and then I went, I was married and, and stuff. And then by about 1970, I started coon hunting, and I found I got dogs that were just nothing. I mean, they were plots. They were brindle. They were brindle dogs, and they were, they just weren't worth not a gallon of dog food. They just weren't. So dad said, Steve, I'm going to help you out. So he called Everett Weem. said, Everett, what do you have? And Everett said, well, I got a pup up here. He's out of your dog's on top and your dog's on the bottom. Got Iron Mountain Moon on the bottom, Cold Creek Bouncer that dad had raised the mama of, of mm-hmm. and Weems Plot John out of Bluff Creek Drive on top. I said, I'll send that pup. So he sent that pup down to me, and that was the Judd dog that I've, is kind of okay. famous from ripping the front of the, of the, of the, the doghouse off and dragging it to the creek. And I started hunting him, and uh, no, I didn't. I, I turned him loose, and I followed him through the woods. And he, I had treed like six coons that fall until I got him. And once he broke off the front of the doghouse and treed those five coons, then he treed 93 more coons in a, like 45 days he, by himself. you got to tell us the story of him ripping the dog box yeah, off. And, I know and, it. but I know, and, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, 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 okay, so right there, right there, I... I lay on the floor. I have this great big, somebody sent me the big long pedigree. I couldn't afford it. Somebody sent me the big long pedigree. I think Dennis Balsam of this, of this cross. And I thought, okay, this is the most incredible dog that I have ever witnessed in my life. This is what the plot family was breeding for. This is what every plot hound should be. This, this extreme intense dog that could be, could be treeing on a tree with an electric fence tied to it. And it would knock him in the water five to six times and he would get up and continue treeing and it would knock him in the water. He was in the water and, and all the other dogs were in the pickup because they couldn't stand that, that kind of pressure and, and he would not leave that tree. And I thought somehow the rest of my life I have to dedicate, this is 1971, somehow the rest of my life I have to dedicate myself if I'm going to keep these dogs to breeding dogs exactly like that dog. So <clears throat> he, he was, and by the way, by now, my dad has kind of stepped back. He has done his job. He bought me that dog, okay? So I, it's my it's my decision to to breed around Judd. So Judd's daddy was Weems Plot Doc by Weems Plot John. His mother was Iron Mountain Cricket by Cold Creek Bouncer, who his mother was Tracy Cindy Sue, who was a litter mate to Bluff Creek Drive. Okay, 
So I you have, following this, Colton? Yes. <laughs> he's, heard these story, he's heard these stories so many times. I'll let him. Could talk you tell these stories? No, he, he'll get <laughs> taught pretty soon because um, we'll have him tell you how he picked out his his start of his dogs. Okay. Yeah. And he did really well. Okay. So, so I took I took I had Williams Plot John on the bottom. So I looked and looked and looked, and I found an ugly old dog in West Virginia named Ben, something Carpenter's Ben. And I traded, did a little trading, and I ended up getting him. And he was an ugly little dog, but he was bred better than any other dog in the world at the time, as far as the plot hound's concerned. And he was at a Grand Night Champion, Cold Creek Bouncer, Grand Night Champion, Iron Mountain Moon. Moon's daddy was Bluff Creek Drive. Mm. Bouncer's okay. mother was Tracy Cindy Sue. That was a first cousin to first cousin, you know, cross right there. So I took him and bred him to those two. two. I had two Weems Plot John female, and immediately, immediately, first dang thing I did, I got Bearpath Gunner, Allheart Millie, all those dogs from that litter, wow. and I got I got Bluff Creek. So uh, they came out of that cross. They, they came out of that cross because, that, and wow. that's all I had to do. All I had to do was look at that set of papers, and all I had to do was duplicate. If I had paper in front of me, I'd write for you. If right. I, all I had to do was duplicate Judd's pedigree by flip-flopping it, and yeah. used, I used Bouncer and Cricket were brother and sister, okay? Yeah. And then I put Weems Plot John in there, yeah. and, and just like they said to do. So that litter is what produced Bear Path Gunner. That's, that's what it did. And, and, and that's my first shot. That was my first wow. attempt. My, what year was that? 70, 1971, I think. 1971. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and here I am, a little old kid down here in Oklahoma, a young guy, you know, 30 years old or whatever I was. 48 plus seven. Anyway. Close enough. And, and uh, I sent, and I sent, when I sent, okay, Woody Woodby got a hold of me, said, uh, Hey, hold on. We got, let me stop you right there. We got to go back. You said something that we, you got to tell at least a short version of the okay. story of this dog ripping off the dog box and going and treeing a okay. coon. Okay. When I got Judd, I had three females. <laughs> I, I, I had three females. And they were daughters and granddaughters of some extremely highly advertised dogs, coon dogs. Okay. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have the Smith Deal dogs in them. They didn't have all that stuff in there. And the truth is, I wanted to hunt. I had a seven-cell Texan flashlight that I carried and a twenty-two rifle that I carried. Mm. And I, I wanted, I really wanted a good dog. So they bought me this thing. Well, I get Judd. I go to Wichita. And Got Judd from Everett. Everett Williams. Yeah, Everett Williams sent him. Dad paid for it, $100, $150. So I go to Wichita, drive up to Wichita, go in the big Wichita International Airport, and there's a dog bay in back there. I thought, what the hell? What the heck? So I go... So I walk back down there, and there's this brindle dog, just wild-eyed, and kind of, I would have to say, crazy, okay? And I said, my name's on the crate, Steve Hurd. <laughs> I said, well, I guess that's my dog. And I said, what's going on? And they said, well, said somebody was shipping out a bunch of cats, and they were over here in these other crates, and said that ever since that dog got here, he's been smelling those cats, and he has not shut up one time. I thought, well, I you think better not let I him out of there. I think that might be a good deal, and I, I, I did. I had a leash with me. I undid him, and he, he took off running and janked me down and drugged me around looking for those cats. He wanted those cats. I'll be so dark. I take this pup home. He's nine months old. Nine months. Hmm. So I take him home, or he might have been eight by then. I take him home and I put him on this great big old doghouse. Well, if a squirrel goes by, or a cat goes by, or another dog, or a bird, you know. Oh my gosh! Hold on. This is my son, Brandon. Brandon. Oh, Clay. hey, Brandon. How you doing? Good. How you doing, brother? Good. Good. We're talking about Judd right now. Oh, you are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have a seat. Right. Okay. Let, so, me, let me get you. Okay. Yep. There, we go you. there we go. There we go. All right. Okay. So he's too wild. I said, Dad's got 150 invested in this, which was pretty good money back then. And I thought, I can't. 
I can't just turn him loose and, you know, go, go, go coon hunt with him. Something's going to happen to him. So for about two weeks, I hunted those females. And couldn't, I, I could tree coon, but I had to use my flashlight to do it. So my wife, uh, Brandon's mom, hauled me a mile north. And I took the three females. And I'm walking down the creek with my seven cell and my flashlight or, I mean, and my gun. And walk a little ways. And all of a sudden, I hear a... A dog treed, and I mean, I don't mean barking. I'm talking treed, treed, treed. So I get, I start, I kind of speed things up, and pretty soon the females quit walking with me and went down there to tree, and of course they didn't say anything when they got there. And so I walk in there, and holy cow, not only is there some coons in the tree, but there's old Judd there, and Judd's still tied to the front of his doghouse. <laughs> He's still tied to a great big A-frame. I mean, I'm talking it was two-befores in plywood, and it, it weighed... 20 pound itself just that door and he had he, he went through some barbed wire fences and was treed on this on these coon and and the, this is so this is a now how old he, is the dog nine months old yeah and he's never seen a coon he's never he has never That's seen unbelievable. A, he has never seen so a he coon. you think he winded the coons from, from where? the house yeah yeah they, they were all, they came down yeah, bluff creek yeah he went no, the now coons. this is not this is in pratt kansas yeah, okay they, okay I'm sorry, this is in pratt. so i thought well what the heck <laughs> I, so I, I drugged the chain he went I, and treated a coon. i just want to clarify just he he, he left was my house. Cha- he was chained to his doghouse, and he went he went from here to those trees, which is two hundred yards away, and was treed solid. So with the doghouse tied to it, with still tied just to the front, <laughs> he ripped yeah. it off. He, he ripped, ripped it, it off. off. So so I uh, I uh, unsnapped him. I thought, well, I I drugged the the deal. And you the weren't hunting this dog because yeah, well, he I, wasn't because ready he, yet. So we we went on we went down on the neighbors and and we treed more coons that night, and then from then on, I just walk down the road and just turn him loose and whichever way he's, he, he would win and whatever way he'd stick his nose, just follow him. And he never, ever, ever, he'd never quit. He never missed a night of, of Trina Coon. You could, you could hunt him at noon. You could hunt him at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We can hunt him right now and if he's alive. And we'll go tree you. He, 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 he could win. He could win. He could just find him. He could win. Like the, I hate to tell this, but I'm going to. When, when Coon High's prides were high, price, Coon High's prices were high. Yeah. And, and and I didn't have a lot of money, and I would take an aluminum ladder, and we would go up to, actually, to, to Bluff Creek, and I would throw that over my shoulder and follow him, and he would tree a coon. He never missed. He just never missed. And if you tried to bobcat Tree in a den tree. Oh, That's den why tree. you bring oh, a ladder. Yeah, absolutely. He'd tree uh, in yeah. a den tree during the yeah, day and, while the coon yeah, was sleeping, yeah, and you'd yeah. get up there and get the coon. Yeah, and, and you're not supposed to, but, but I did. And it's been long enough that the statute of limitations has run out. <laughs> so, so... Uh, that's, you that, can hunt coons during the day. I know that. Yeah, I do. That's not illegal, okay. is it? But anyway, and then you try to bobcat hunt him on, on mules and on horses. We did, and you know, and yeah. nope, he'd pull off and go tree a coon, and you'd go ahead and do your bobcat hunt, come back four or five hours later. He, there he is, solid on Man. that tree, all the bark all rubbed off of it. And then uh, at 15 months old, I was going to go to plot days to show them what a coon dog was. And we were bobcat hunting North Protection, Kansas, with my dad. And he he located a coon. We took him back up, put him on the bobcat track. He hit two or three licks and headed that way. And we heard him get run over by a car. He oh. got hit by a 63 Chevy 409. How old was he? He was about, I think, 15 to 18 months old. Probably 18 months old, okay? And so wow. and so they we took him to the veterinary at Wichita, and they said, give him 30 days, but he's not ever going to walk again. And so on the 30th day, he was laying behind my house in Pratt, Kansas, and a cat walked by, and he got up for the first time in 30 days, got up and tried to catch that cat. And he drug a leg, 
he had lost, lost his bowels were constantly running and, and everything. But we took him to the veterinarian. They cut one leg completely off, so he was three-legged. Part of his tail was missing. He dripped stuff, and I took him to Illinois. I shouldn't have, but I did. I took him to Illinois, and Everett said, well, I, want, I want to hunt that dog. And I said, well, let's go. So Everett and me and a whole group of guys took one of Everett's dogs and him, and we walked away from plot days at Flora, and we, treat, we struck five coons, treated three coons on the outside, and, uh, and Judd got all the strikes, all the trees. And we got back in there, and we're sitting, around, we're sitting around the deal, and Everett was shaking his head, and he said, fellas, I'm going to tell you something right now. That dog, that three-legged dog right there that kind of smells, he said, that is a, a better dog than 95% of the people in Illinois have ever seen, have ever seen. They said, you just, mm. no, one, no one has a dog like that. So, once again, he was, he was the dog that I, that, that's that, that why was, it started. Yeah, that's, yeah, and see, I had other, I had other and that screens, was Judd. And that was Judd. Okay. Bluff Creek Judd. Bluff Creek Judd, yes, sir. And yeah. so, so I, and I knew all I had to do was duplicate his pedigree, just like a stereo, you know, just like a, I mean, flip something over and then just do it. And that's what I did. And that's, I, I got his sister, Sue, from Everett Weems, okay? Yeah. And same bloodline there. Yeah. And then we, then I found Donna in, up in, in, in Wyoming. Yeah. And she had the Sparlins Jane and Weemslot John on the bottom side. And I knew it would work. I just yeah. knew it would, intuition already, okay? Yeah. So I, I, I got. And that, and, and that produced Bear Path Gunner. So tell us about Bear Path Gunner. Okay. I, it, it's hard to talk about Bear Path Gunner without, well, I just now told you the story of Judd, okay? So, so Bear Path Gunner in, in the bear dog world was what Judd was in the coon dog. By the way, I've, I've never seen a, a dog as good as Judd in my entire life. Um, uh, my candy female was, was probably as good as a female, but I've never seen a male coon dog in my life as good as Judd. I, I never expect to ever see one again, okay? So when I hunted with Gunner, I was so flabbergasted. We we had some days we had nine dogs. You some, sold him to a guy up in, 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 in yeah. In, I mean, just yeah. as a pup. I mean, uh, you, yeah. Well, he he was five and a half months old, but he was already doing incredible stuff at home. I mean, yeah. he, if I, I, some guys came up one night, we went coon hunting. I thought he was too young to take five months old because he had plenty of young dogs. And we put the, we threw a coon on the ground that was you know cold, and we sat there drank coffee for two hours. And when we came out, we couldn't find Gunner or the coon. And we went clear out to the barn, and he had drugged that coon two, two, about 200 yards and was still fighting him and fighting him and fighting him and fighting him and, mm. you know, trying to get the coon to come back to life so he could kick his butt, you know. And he would stay treated on a possum for ever. I mean, just forever. Mm. So I already t- Dad, told me, Dad told me that this dog was very special. And when he – Dad had him – he was born at my dad's place in Protection Kansas, right where I live now, okay. Yeah. And then Dad sent him down to me at about four and a half months old. He was already doing incredible stuff. And so anyway, we, we sent him to Idaho, him and, and a little female named Betty, uh, to Woody Woodby in Beauville, Idaho. A, yeah. a bear fell out of the tree and crushed Betty on her fourth, on her fourth one. Mm-hmm. So I sent him up Billy and Barney, and Billy turned out to be the world-famous all-heart Millie, who everybody said was every bit as good as, as Gunner. Okay, so those two dogs were right there. And then I have a picture of him in here somewhere. There was one more male pup at home. And uh, Woody sent me down $400, I think, and I went to the owner of him and said, Woody wants that dog, and here's this check. And the guy said, you can take him with you, but you gave me the dog. I'm giving him back to you, giving you the check. So and uh. I could use it, you know. So, so I went up and hunted with him, and we treat bear every day. He struck – nobody could outstrike so him. So Woody was a bear hunter in Idaho. Yeah, he was, yeah. But, and, and Woody had some health problems, and, and Woody did not – he would not get off the road, but he, was, he, would, he told you where everything was at. I was a young buck. 
I was a rancher. I was in shape. I knew how to shoot. And every day I would stay with Woody and we would, Gunner would strike and we would drop him out. And then pretty soon it was just a one dog deal. And Gunner, I'm going to talk, we, we were hunting with good dogs out of Idaho. I mean, yeah, out of Idaho, Oregon, Washington, everywhere. Mm. And, but it was just always Gunner. It was just always Gunner. Okay. So Woody would say, okay, Gunner's around there uh, fighting a bear by himself. Take this gun, go down there and shoot the bear. I get down there. Gunner's completely by himself, got this bear bait up. Uh, my Becky female had split off and treated the, treated the, the daughter or treated a, a, a pup or a kitten. What the heck you call them? Uh, a cub. <laughs> I, I, was, yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't uh, think yeah. of it either. Well, well, they split, and Becky went and treated the cub, and, and Gunner bathed this thing up. And then when I got down there with my gun, the bear took off running, and then a, a, a local farmer picked Gunner up off the tree. He treated this female bear. Mm. So then the next day, we treed a, a red bear way off in the mountains, and Gunny, Woody said, here, take the gun, go in there. If the bear slips six inches, shoot the son of a gun. And I was in there 43 minutes before another dog showed up, and then I was there that much longer before Hunter started showing up. He, he, was, that, yeah. he was that much further. He was 40 minutes fast. 40 minutes faster than everything. And then the next day, we, we did it again. Becky went with him on this next one. And we treat and little Brandon was with me and lost a shoe on the way in there. You can tell if he was here, I'd have him tell you that story. And uh, but he, we hunted. I'm pulling you. We hunted. We hunted every day. We hunted with from eight dogs to forty dogs. And one day, uh, every single day in bear country, one dog did all the striking, all the leading, all the treeing, all the baying. One dog, did, and it was Gunner. It was him. And these other dogs were good dogs. But they thought you had to trail a bear out, and Gunner just cut across the country to the bear, and he just no one went and found it. Yeah, he he got to see uh, Brandon, my son Brandon. Uh, yeah, Brandon just showed up. Yeah, he just showed up, and he was with uh, he was with me when we went into Gunner's tree, Gunner and Becky in there when you had to flip little shoes on in Idaho. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm yeah. we're I'm, we're trying to hurry, and I'm grabbing him by the arm. And uh, Brandon, how old were you? Eight. Let him let him have your deal for a second. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What year would that I, have been? That, it was a uh, summer of 1980. Okay, all right. So I and was so nine years old. I got him by the hand, and we're running through the woods. He had a little bit of asthma back then, and pretty soon he said, "Dad," <laughs> and I'm dragging him up the mountain. I said, "He, he said, Dad." <laughs> pretty soon I stopped. And said, "What?" He said, "My shoes stuck in the water." Back <laughs> so we, so uh, we, 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 I run back down there, and his little old sneaker is stuck in the mud down there, and there's water running around it, but not into it. Pulled me straight out of my shoes. <laughs> oh, we know. And so we, we stuck it back That's on That's pretty him. rough for a nine-year-old to hunt yeah. Idaho. So I, thought he, I thought bear hunting. I didn't know he meant barefoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, you know. Yeah. And, so, and so we get to the tree, and, and there's two. you can't hear anything underneath the tree because two dogs, Gunner and Becky, are so loud that they treeing together. Now there's six dogs, maybe. I, I was lacking oxygen. I don't really remember. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I'm, I'm going to try to speed this story up a little bit. But anyway, the, the, a bear hunter from California, not a bear hunter, a lawyer, uh, with a 7-millimeter magnum and a scope on, he wiped all that Mount St. Helens dust out of the end of that scope so he could see. He said, all I can see is black. And I said, he, Woody said, just pull the trigger. Or not Woody, but another guy. He said, just pull the trigger. So he pulls the trigger. The bear hits the ground. And the bear is on his back, and he is fighting dogs. And I an old coon hunting trick I, I there's another big old boy there and i grabbed a branch and we stuck it in the bear's mouth just rammed it in there, and then we stood on that branch so that the bear would you know and then somebody come up and popped him one more time so yeah. we skinned the bear out and the the whoever was guiding the hunt uh orally 
Could it have been some uh, some younger guy? It was either Orly or 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 Woody. Oh, no, Woody, because we were with. Oh, Woody, we, Woody, we, we, yeah, we Woody, were off. With, Woody uh, made that. Woody made that. It wasn't very deep. Went for very far in there. Hmm. So, so uh, Woody said, "Okay, everybody carries something." So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, to, okay. So everybody, he said, nobody walks out of here barehanded. Okay, no pun intended on that. But <laughs> nobody walks out of here empty-handed. Yeah. And I look around and I I see evidently. A bear pizzle is worth quite a bit, okay. You know, for for wealthy people stirring coffees or whatever. Yes. So I thought, well, I didn't know that. I thought, well, if that's important, I might as well carry that. I might no, know the I, other parts, I the went, other two parts that the bear, okay. had, the male bear. Had. <laughs> I had some so, jingle bells coming out. So okay. So I look okay. back and I said, "What have you Idaho got? Mountain you got? Oysters?" He said, "Yeah." What he said, everybody had to carry something. <laughs> so he brings the beers. You know, gonads out of the mountain. So, so that's, been, that's been my claim to fame is that okay. I can walk out of the mountains on my first bear hunt. I've got the bear Carried, by the well, yeah. I'd say that yeah. was pretty pretty uh, insightful. But that that being my first hunt, I it, that was probably, if I hunted 20 more times, that would probably be the most memorable one. Yeah. Well, what we were talking about was just how legendary Bear Path Gunner became. Yeah. And yep. uh, and so it's pretty cool that you, yeah. I mean, as yeah. a little boy, you got to hunt with that yeah, dog. Yeah, it was neat. And, I, you know, at the time, I was I was an only child at that age. And I had, the, the dogs were, were kind of my siblings. So we spent yeah. a lot of time out yeah. playing yeah. in the yard. And yeah. I'd go run from them. And, and you know, they'd. They'd track me down, and I'd tell Dad, oh, well, this one's got, you know, this one's the fastest. This one's yeah, got the exactly. best nose. Hey, this yeah. one can find me when, when I'm hidden. And yeah, when when uh, when uh, Eugene Walker ordered a puppy out of Gunner and Becky, and he told me that he wanted, he said, all I care is I want the fastest puppy in the entire bunch because here in West Virginia we kind of like fast dogs. So Brandon went out with his bicycle, and we had a dead rabbit. We shot a rabbit, <laughs> and we tied it on the back there, and I would open the cage, and all oh, the puppies. Well, yeah, there's a good way was, to see which one. There was the eight passes. of them, maybe eight pups in that litter. Anyway. A lot. And, and so anyway, a lot. He, so he would, and he would go a quarter of a mile with that bicycle, and, and the Hank pup, uh, Pocahontas mm-hmm. Hank, always, always lit everything else, all the way up, all the way back. And so he got him, and the dog. Oh, they named him Pocahontas Hank. Pocahontas Hank, yeah. You bet. I'll be done. Yeah, you bet. I'll be done. Yeah, and you'll see him in the pedigrees. You yeah. still do. A lot of pedigrees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots yeah. and lots of pedigrees, yeah. Yeah. But but that was him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And, and Gunner was so personable. I remember staying at Woody's <laughs> house up there, and I'd, you know, lay down on the floor, and Gunner just come he over. He was like a house feet. dog, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he was, was never That's why I remember. Never, ever, I, ever. Yeah. I think if you'd have told him he was a dog, you'd upset him. Because yeah. he, I think he really <laughs> just thought he was a short human. You know, yeah, short. Yeah, yeah. it's just and like hanging out with, with the rest. The very of first night, Woody said, uh, "Okay, now I said, where's Gunner sleep?" He said, "Well, he's there's a great big desk in there, and he's supposed to sleep underneath that desk." But he said, "I've got a bed for him made there." But he said, "Listen to this." He said, "He had wood floors." He said, "Come here, listen, listen to this door. I'm going to close this door and listen to what happened." So we closed the door, and all of a sudden you could hear it click, 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 and and you could hear Gunner. He jumped up on the bed, and he was. He was in there, you know, sleeping on the bed. And then Woody would go there and rattle the door handle, and you heard Gunner jump off and go back under so the bed. So he knew he, couldn't, okay. he wasn't supposed and, to be in there. Okay, and some people, some people, you know, bear hunters, believed that all these little cute stories about Gunner and the fact that he would listen to humans and that he wasn't even broke to a leash, as far as we know, that that made him a less of a bear dog. But you know what? It, the, the more intelligence you can have a bear dog, yeah. by far the better. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so... 
So Woody ended up selling Bear Path Gunner to a guy in Wisconsin, yep, yep, and that's yep. the guy Mike that Rick, I interviewed. Mike Ricklock. Uh, yep, yeah, Mike yep. Ricklock, who's yep. still yep. around. Yep. Okay, uh, see, I when it, when Becky, when we were, I don't know what all you can put in here. You can always cut stuff out. When we were up there, and 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 Gunner saw Becky, he just perked up and went flying over to her, and then jumped up on her, and and Woody said, "She's coming in heat." And I said, "No, no, no. She she won't be in heat for like six more months." He said, well, what's the deal? And I said, he smells a kinship or something. I, I really don't know. I, I don't know. But I said. Love at first sight. But Well, it, it was. And, and the truth is, when he wasn't hunting and, and she was just standing around, he was over there with her almost all the time. So I read, a, I read a, 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 the most famous thoroughbred breeder in the world believed that a lot of times natural selection was important. Okay, now this is kind of in the breeding deal again. I see. So if he would lead a mare through a bunch of stallions, and the one that she chose, that's how he would breed. And he raised mm. more stakes winners per hundred than any other human has ever done. Okay. Mm. Well, when it came time to breed Becky, uh, Becky was a super, super dog. Okay, just all the way around. And I couldn't find a male that I thought was good enough for her in the central part of the United States. And I didn't have one myself because I, at that time I was afraid to breed, you know, brother or sister. So, so. I said, you know what, I'm going to breed to Gunner. Well, by then he'd been sold to Mike Ricklock, so I got a hold of Mike, and I said, Mike, I want to breed my Becky female. You know, I gave all the, I thought he would just say, sure, bring her up, you know. He said, well, $350. I said, uh, I'm, I sold that dog to Woody for like 175 He said, well, it's $350, you can breed her not to, you know. <laughs> and, and, and the truth is, by then so many people were wanting to breed to the dog that, right, that yeah. you kind of had to limit them somehow. So I borrowed the money, I think, from my dad, put her in a crate, shipped her up there, brought mm. her home. And she had, you know, that fantastic litter of, you know, of dogs. I mean, Pocahontas, Hank, and, and Mike Candy, and, and Gunner. I mean, well, Gunner, too, which is red. And, and just super, super, super dogs. I mean, just real things. So the next time she came in, he, about a year later, I got a hold of Mike. He said, I want two male pups. That's what I want this time. So mm -hmm. I, I said, yeah, that's fine. I think I sold him like thunder and lightning or something. Yeah. So, so that, and that's, you know, that's kind of how. And then, and then, so I had already, I had taken, I had taken a, you know, two half brother, a half brother and half sister, actually three quarter brother, three quarter sister, yeah. and bred them together. And once again, some even ever said he thought that I was going to get, you know, short little dogs because I was doubling up on bouncer, and I didn't. I got world beaters, world beaters. Just you know, and so, what I was doing, what we were doing was just keep. We were we kept adding all those genetics, those ones I showed you a while ago, you know, all that North Carolina Tom, all that nickel stormy, all that stuff over and over. We just kept adding it right back into the thing and it can't escape. It's just there. You know, if, yeah. if you put with, put that dog with a good hunter, it's going to make it. So, yeah. And so, some people don't believe in hundred percent litters and gosh, if I have something that's not, it, it just upsets the heck out of me. If I have, a yeah. yeah. So from, uh, so from there, which would have been Bear Path Gunner lived to be like nine years old and died in like 1982, if I remember, something like that, 81, 82. Uh, yeah, I think, I think he lived to be 10, but I. I okay, he yeah, may have lived yeah, to be yeah, 10. Okay, okay. It, yeah, it, I'm it, going it, off yeah, long. No, yeah, yeah, me too. But he, but that dog kind of, he became a nationally known dog well, at that what, time. What Bear shocked me, what shocked me when I went my first American Plot Association days was those old timers come up to me, and I'm talking about people way older than me, okay? And I guess they'd let them out of the rest home. I don't know. <laughs> but but uh, they came to me and said, said, I heard that you're the one that raised Bear Path Gunner. And I said, yes, I am. 
And they said, my God, said all of us people down here said, we all have gunner in our dogs. And those people from North Carolina, and they had all those good dogs down there, but they mm. were hauling wherever they had to, even from West Virginia. Breeding the gunner. And breeding the bear path gunner. You know why? Because he was the best thing around. And a lot of times, like Cascade Big Timber was a wonderful dog. I hunted with him. I loved him, okay? But he didn't reproduce at his level. Well, Gunner reproduced at an extremely highly le high level, mm. and that's why people use him. And it's hard to find a pedigree in bear world anymore that doesn't have Bear Path Gunner in there. And sometimes, maybe 10 times, you know, I mean, eight or 10 times. Yeah. So Especially in these in it, these lines like, yeah, like Ferns, I think, and we went through all this years ago yes. as, as I was learning this yeah. stuff from you, but, you know, my, my pup and her seven generation pedigree i think yes. has bear path a lot yeah a lot yeah he's yeah. way back it's well, back there it's, it's just well let's get okay. to a more a broader picture now so we've established kind of your family history and uh -huh. and, and yeah. bear path gunner and yeah. judd and all these yeah. dogs and then from you've pretty much had well you've been sending dogs for Bear and mountain lion hunting. To professional guys. Hog hunting. I did that a lot for a while. Yeah. I mean, these are big game dogs. You're yeah. not really giving them to coon hunters that much anymore. I'm kind of an exception yeah, I, I, in that exactly, we yeah. can't run big yeah. game in Arkansas, yeah. and I need to, yeah. you know. But, yeah, and, and the truth is, I the bear hunters really – you can take a blue tick and go tree a coon, and I'm not condemning them because the truth is it, it's harder to breed for an extremely good coon dog than it is to, be, to, to breed for a real good bear dog, okay? Mm. But – there's people out there deserving of an exceptional bear dog, an exceptional lion dog, an exceptional bobcat dog, an exceptional hog dog. And we're producing them, and we like to kind of get them in the good hands. I, 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 I do a lot of choosing about where my dogs go. Yeah. You know? So I took the little creek female, went all the way down to where, at Coweta, Oklahoma, where Brandon lives, and handed it to Alvin Grigg. And uh, she was such a, well, she literally, no no, 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 no. She no. was okay. yeah. a little okay. bit older. Yeah, but but what an exceptional hog dog. I mean, I, I got to hunt with her one time, and, and Alvin turned to me and came back and said, now, I know you don't like the way, the fact that she's just kind of hunting here close, but she said the moment that she comes by any hog smell, she'll be gone. And he turned, turned around and said, Herd, come here. Look at this. And she was 800 yards away. He just walked back there. She was right. 800 yards. He said, next time you see her, she'll have a hog dog. And yeah. him and Travis took off running, and they – that there's a video of it. Yeah. It gets kind of intense. I remember Alvin <laughs> telling me about that dog uh, uh, rigging, yes. rigging a hog on the highway yep. where they were going 70 miles yep. an hour in a closed dog box in the winter. Oh, yeah. But all kind of stories. Oh, but yeah. Yeah. So you're these dogs, have uh, they're in the hands of people all over the world. Well, not all, I have I never mean, sent one overseas. At, I, one, I think, went over there. Okay, but okay. The, they hunt a, a really weird style over there. They only some places you're only allowed one dog or two dogs. Right, right. And and I think that you're it's a terrible disadvantage to a dog to to be put in a situation where you're yeah. asking them to fail. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, but uh, but, but a lot but all of over the United States, all over the yeah. U.S. I've never yeah, sent yeah. a I've never sent a dog to California. Okay. Okay. I've never sent. Yeah, one to Turkey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not not Japan. I had to, I had I I almost did. In fact, the bold pup was just getting ready to be shipped over there. And then they called oh, and really? kind of, well, you know, we're not sure. And my partner wants to know this and this and this and this. And I said, and I just waited about two days. And when he got back home, he said, Georgian. And, and, and uh, he said, uh, 
didn't send we, I think we want that dog. And I said, uh, that dog left out of here two days ago. He's in Oklahoma, and they absolutely love him. And, and he's he's for real. He's yeah. litter mate for Bold yep. is a litter yep. mate to and, firm. And for real. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. bear hunted him up there. We're going to take him up again, hopefully. Yeah. But, no, he's for real. He is um, absolutely for real. So, well, describe to me, and this is kind of going backwards a little bit, but describe to me the characteristics that you're breeding for, Steve. Okay. When people hunt, people didn't think they needed nose. We had to have it because we we hunted in Oklahoma Panhandle, and then still down there, we expect a dog. I I would be embarrassed if I hunted with some off-color dogs and they struck in front of me. Okay, I mean it's it's a little bit of pride, maybe a little bit of false pride. I don't know, but but I don't want that. Okay, then <laughs> I, I they have to have speed because once again, you don't want somebody to outrun your dogs. Okay, so my dogs have to have speed. They have to be intelligent, and if they're, if they're dumb, they just don't live long enough to ever get hunted, okay, because I can't stand a dumb dog. I just can't stand it, okay? They have to be a certain size, and I'm extremely particular on size because an overweight, blubbery-looking male dog or female dog, either one, just can't move, okay? They just simply can't move. They, they have to be, they have to locate, and, and so many bear hunters don't think that this is true, but they have to locate a squirrel in the top of a tree in a blizzard. And I have videos to prove that that's what they do, about four months old, okay? They have to be long, stay-put tree dogs. I want my dogs to be, I want them to bay a, a, a bear or a hog almost all day long, but I don't really want them to ever actually make contact. It's okay if they do, but I don't want my dogs killed. I, I, you don't there, want them there, overly there's, there's treated? Hunters, there's hunters, and some, some people listening to this podcast tomorrow, whenever it is, We'll say, uh, yeah, he, you know, he wants his dogs to turn. No, I, I want my dogs to live through the day. I, and I, I really don't care what happens. I want them to live. A dead dog never sires babies. And, yep. a, and a, de- a dead dog never trees you one more piece of game. So there's people that get so, are so proud about right. their dogs being so gritty. But can be counterproductive. Dogs, they, they, it's, it's counterproductive. You yeah. just, you, you know. Yeah, you know, you you say my dog can jump higher off a cliff than any dog you've ever seen. Well, that dog only did it once. <laughs> Colton, what is uh? So you've been around these dogs your yes. whole life. Now yep. you've got you've got some of your own dogs. Yes, I have one dog right now named Butch. Butch. Yep. Now is he the is he the the semen dog? Yes, he came from the original Butch. Okay, yep. so back in the nineties, Butch was around. When was Butch around? He's been dead ten years. He's been dead twelve. Okay. Here we go again. So y'all, okay, okay. So so the pup you've got is yeah. now. Yet what do y'all call him? His Butch? name is Butch. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, he he was he's a couple years old now, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. And hey, then, but he came from back up, some back semen, up to Buster, frozen though, semen. Colton originally liked the great big, big houndy dogs. Okay. Yeah. That, you know he Bolly and Max. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I said, Colton, they're not going to work for you. So I, and he said, Well, Dad, how do you pick out a dog? And I said. You just look at him and look at him, and pretty soon you see something. You say, okay, this is my dog. So he comes in the house. Uh, Nellie had nine puppies and, uh, and out of Reno. Yep. And, and so he comes in the house one day, and you get to tell the rest of the story. Yeah, he came in the house one day, and uh, I think we were kind of getting shorter on dogs. We had a few. You know, we, we, always, we always had a, good, a few good dogs around, and we had a real promising litter. I think there was nine. nine yeah, nine or ten. I think there, there had only been one pup, I think, that had died at a young age. And he uh, said, it's time to pick your dog. And I had, re- I, I claim Reno. Reno has been my, he was my first real dog we, oh, you know, really? we bear hunted with. So I'm in Reno. Buster. I'm talking about Buster. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know, but I had, oh, I'm, oh, ba- I'm, 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 I'm backing up. Okay, okay, okay. I'm he learned out. how to tell stories from you. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> sure. And, uh, oh, man, looky there. And uh, we, uh, so I started at a young age, but the dog that I really grew up knowing was Reno. Reno, you know, right. I remember Reno's He's litter. A, probably one of the main stud dogs yep. you've used for the last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yep. still alive. He's still, Reno's still yeah, alive. Yeah, he's still alive, and he's yep. in New Mexico yeah, right we're now. Gonna see yeah, him in, we'll go see him in two and, weeks. And yep. Steve just pulled back. Colton's shirt, and you got a tattoo, Reno. Yeah, right on your have you shoulder. seen it? Have you seen it? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he was his litter. I remember growing up. There was a the, Reno's litter was a, was a super litter. Uh, you hear Dad talking a lot about yeah. a, a dog named Scar. Scar was a dog that was bit when she was a little baby by a brown brown spider and had a really bad on her hip. And she'll t- a lot of people that hunt with us to this day will tell you that she's actually they're the she's the best coon dog that you were yeah. ever around. She was extremely good dog. dog. And uh, so she was, Reno Scar, Reno Scar, and then Mark's dog, Mark Mark Defrange Bren, Bren, uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then my Ruger dog that got killed by the bear, and Joe Hudson's Cali female, and Crook, uh, who I got back and sent out to to, to the New Mexico. And it, and there was another dog named Hound. Every single dog in the litter. Yeah, in fact, Joe it. Hudson called me the day and said he thinks this might be one of the greatest litters ever made. So, well, well, Mark Dufresne, yep. who's a yep. very reputable veteran bear hunter, and he says he'll go to his grave saying that Bryn is the best the, hound the he's, best ever, he's ever seen, and yeah. she's still alive. She, Bryn is still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so so you, and now tell me, you picked out Reno? No, no, I didn't pick out Reno. Uh, so. You know, Dad was talking about one of the old litters that was a super litter. That was the first super litter that I've got to experience okay, growing got up. It, you got know, it, got it. we always had a, you know, Dad had a couple dogs named Sugar and uh, uh, what was the other one? Uh, uh, Star. Star. Mm-hmm. They were kind of the first females. Remember, but Reno was really the first, you know, big, you know, dog that dog that Dad decided to keep. He wasn't, it wasn't really kind of what he was looking for at the time. You know, he Reno was a little bit heavy caliber, more of a heavy caliber yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he came out one day and said, he's like, there's some gorgeous pups out there in the trailer. He's like, why don't you go pick you a pup? He's like, I wasn't, he wasn't originally, we weren't originally going to get a male dog. Right. Uh, dad prefers the females. So we were looking through there. He's like, I, I have, I think I have me a female picked out. And he's like, there's one pup that I see something. I want to see if, I want to see if you see the pup that I see. And these are out of oh, Reno wow. and Nelly. So he went out there with me and we, I got in the, <laughs> got in the horse trailer and kind of got down there looking at some pups and. I was, I was, you know, going through them. There was a so couple. This is like a test. He's they, like, yeah, son, yeah. like the, by the way, the puppies see. they were, they were just less than two weeks old. Yeah. Oh, they were yeah. little oh, guys. Little, they were oh, little, little bitty. Uh, oh, so this is, this is like. I think they had just barely yeah, got their, is, eye, their eyes were open. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so he says, "Son, yeah. see if you see what <laughs> I see." Well, and, and I wanted to know. You have to be able to. You have yeah, to you know, he he doesn't want me going out there and picking. You know, the light brindle and the the heaviest male out there. Okay, River River Newcomb's listening to this podcast. River, you got to pick up on some of this. Well, take- and, and, but, okay, now what he's saying, though, real quick, he, he's saying that he got to watch Reno grow up, and, and he remembers okay. what Reno did as a got pup, it. and he remembered how Reno looked as That's a pup. That's how that and, ties and, into and this. Scar. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I, uh, so that me was and, his. Me and, me and Dad, we, we kind of we know how to, how to pick around the same, you know, when it goes to bulls, you know, we, we can kind of pick the similar bulls and the horses, and uh, so I went out there, and I, I picked up a couple pups. There was, you know, uh, there was two light rental males in that, and I, so I kind of looked at them, I'm like, well, you know, that's not really what I, I, I think he's looking at. So I kind of shoved them to the side and went through the females and stuff. Uh, there was another dog that ended up uh, going to Travis Taves. His name was Rage. He looked a lot like my Buster Pup, and I picked him up. I really liked him. I'm like, well, I was like, no. Nah. Uh, and then the, the, the <laughs> last, it was the last one I picked up, and he was just a gorgeous pup. I mean, he had the right amount of black and the right amount of, you know, this and that. And 
I picked him up, and there was just a look about him, just almost a confidence look. I mean, it was, mm. it was crazy. And I, I picked it up, and I said, I, I'm not sure what you're thinking, Dad, but I'm thinking this pup right here is going to be special. And Dad's like, that's him. That's him. That's him. That's the one I'll be done. And it was Buster. He, he, yeah, and Buster's one of the best bear dogs I've hunted for yeah. a long, long time. It's just, he got killed by a hog. And, and Buster is... Fern's daddy. I know that. I know that. Yeah. 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 And, and by the way, he should have sired a lot more puppies. Because yeah. You he died you, early. Uh, oh, he, he died way yeah. too early. Hey, when I was out in, uh, when I was in Idaho, I won't say any names here, but when I was in Idaho, mountain lion hunting yeah. with the plot man uh-huh. that uh, doesn't necessarily have any of yeah. the Bluff Creek strain, uh-huh. he told me that he was very impressed with Buster. Because I, I, you know, I, and I probably brought it up. But <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, and uh, but he he yeah. said I was impressed with that dog. And for yeah. somebody that doesn't yeah. have any connection yeah. Yeah. to a yeah. breed yeah. to a yeah. line of hounds yeah. to say something yeah. really good, but he well, definitely anyway, turned, it, it definitely turned if, some heads. If if you if you had a bunch of dogs run into those woods, they're heavily wooded across where we're sitting here, and and they suddenly shut up and they can't. A bear sometimes a bear just disappears, and and a cat will disappear, and a coon will disappear. Well, then. Somebody yells, bring Buster. So you get Buster out of the pickup. You drop him in there. Give him 10 seconds. Just give him 10 seconds. And all of a sudden, he's opening. And he's out, moving and, the track. And, he, and he's moving. And I'm not, I'm not talking about trailing. I'm talking about screaming. And it, it, it happens so, so often. What, Buster would have been born like in 2010 or something. I mean, it was. I would, it, have, said, I would have said maybe probably later than that. Yeah, later than that. Well, he, he died when he was five years old. Because yeah. he was alive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He yeah. died like the first year that yeah, i had yeah, fern yeah. fern's four yeah. years old anyway yeah. yeah but so you picked out this puppy yeah buster was my claim to fit. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and i, I wasn't I, I wasn't real into i was always into hunting and i was always into dogs but buster was the one that kind of that really made me excited yeah. you know going to yeah. going to wisconsin in fact he was my actual first my first dog that i actually got to hunt with of our own you know we always right. had our own dog, like that's my dog that's my pup let's see what he, let's see what he, what he can that's do fine. so we when you hauled when you took buster with you you could you could go hunt in any state in the United States, and and when you dropped out with anybody anywhere, you knew that you had as good a dog as was going to be turned loose that day. Okay, yeah. and now like the jackpot dog up there right now. You when when you you can haul him anywhere and turn him loose with anybody, and you know what? You're not ever going to be embarrassed. Yeah, be You're just not going to be embarrassed because he's yeah. just that good. He just yeah. And and you know sometimes you have to keep sharpening your pencil. Well. We've got the old pencil pretty sharp right now because that's yeah. that's what that's what that's what we're trying to do. Okay, and yeah. and once again, all we're doing is trying to just duplicate what those poor old hunters, you know, them starving old houndsmen did back in the mountains when they were trying to catch game with their hog with their right. dogs. You know, right. whether it was hogs or bear, whatever. I didn't realize how much bear they ate back then, but they ate a lot of bear meat. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Well, hey, we're gonna we're gonna do another podcast. I'm not sure how okay. it's gonna work out here, but okay. so in. Not necessarily in closing, in closing yep. but sort of in closing. If we're so, we've established, you know, the Bluff Creek line and plots and your yep. history. Mm-hmm. Are there any iconic stories that, uh, or or just what? What would you say? You you know all that you've said, yep. and, and yep. I'm kind of just turning this all over yep. to you. If you were going to give some closing remarks about just your history with the Bluff Creek dogs, your dad, the hunting that you guys have done. Um, or, the, or, or even just what these dogs mean to you, well, Steve. It, the main here, the one, here's it is again. Any any hunter, and and really in any profession, 
you should be thrilled to death that you're getting to help work with with Outdoor Life. I mean, you have your magazine. I mean, both you guys are, you know, you're kind of competitors, but you're actually both on the same side. So when your houndsmen are very prideful people, and, and the, the plot people were very prideful people, and Isaiah Kidd was a prideful person, and Gola Ferguson was, and all those people, and Everett Williams was extremely prideful. Well, when you go to the woods, you don't want to have to make up a thousand excuses about why your dog didn't do what they were supposed to do. You want to simply sit there and have people pat you on the back and say, my God, I have never seen anything like that, okay? Something my dad was always worried about was that younger generations would not be able to enjoy the same caliber dogs that he started with, okay? And then I, I took over in 71, and I was afraid that people would not also, younger people, you know, some yeah. in this room right here, including yeah. sitting across the table from me. Yeah. I, I was afraid that they wouldn't, that they would hear the plot hound was either growly or slow or big or dumb or silent mouth or whatever. So yeah, I wanted yeah. to hang on. I wanted, if, if nothing else, produce one more litter to let people know that they're still out there. And, and if, you do, if you do your homework and do things right, that there's, there will be for several more generations, okay? So yeah. that's, that's my legacy is I want to be able to pass on to younger, younger generations, and I think, you know, might be on the way right now. I, I, want, I want a lot of people to get to enjoy that. I mean, do you know how long you might have looked had you got, not got fern? I mean, think about it. Had, yeah. I mean, how many miles would you have driven? Dad did it for a purpose to produce the dogs, but also to make sure that they were still out there, okay? Because, yeah. you know what, because once, okay, had Everett Weems not have made that cross of drive to Susie, we wouldn't be sitting here at this table right now, okay? Right. Had Dad not made his cross of, of our chief to trouble, we wouldn't be sitting here at this table. And, and I actually believe that the plot hound, I actually believe that the plot hound would not have still existed in the form we know it had it not been for a few special people and a few special, very special dogs, okay? Yeah. And I mean, no, nobody wants to promote just more dogs. You know, you don't, you don't want that. You want some really elite dogs. And like Joe Hudson says, if you ain't seen it, you ain't gonna believe it, okay? I mean, you just, if, if you haven't seen it, then you're not gonna believe it, that, that a puppy yeah. could start that young. At, you know, at, at, at the, the banjo dog was a freak of nature. He started so young and, and he made, even my dogs, he made my dogs look bad. He was, he just did things. I don't remember whether we ever even tied him up once again. He, he just voiced demands and, and he's when he got killed by a bobcat at 14 months old. But by then mm -hmm. I'd already bred him to Cindy cause I got medicine people and mm -hmm. he produced Reno and Bryn and Scott, mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? One yeah. cross, one cross only. Yeah. And that, and he had a hundred percent outstanding pups out of one litter. See what I'm yeah. saying? So, but he yeah. was, he was a freak of nature and he was exactly what I was looking for. So every time, and by the way, Buster, looked exactly like him. They were dark like brown. Banjo. Yeah, Banjo. Banjo, when he was a little pup, I had a roadrunner, you know, one of them roadrunner birds. Yeah. He'd come up to the house and, you know, beg for stuff, dog food and stuff, and Banjo hated him, so he would, it became a game. So he would chase, he would chase that roadrunner. Well, as time progressed, Banjo got a little faster and that bird got a little <laughs> slower. And this went on for 90 days, okay? And the 90th day, probably about the 90th day, could have been 105. All of a sudden, here comes Banjo, and he walks up there, and he lays that roadrunner in front of me, and he had killed that roadrunner. <laughs> and you know what? I, I swear, I swear he was sad. I mean, the game's over. He was I, just like, I got over. him. <laughs> but he, he, the, the, hey. the roadrunner would get to the tree and then, and then look over his shoulder before he jumped. Well, he shouldn't have looked over his shoulder, you know. <laughs> That's how Bob Owens lost the Olympics that year.
Yeah, I'll be okay. Fine. Are we done I there? Gotta, I got to tell you a story okay. later about one of our pups. Okay. But okay. It's for a different one. Colton, closing closing thoughts on. Uh, um, how old are you, Colton? I'm 22. 22. So you've been around these dogs your whole life, and uh, yep. you've you've hunted. Obviously, you live in you live in Kansas, so mm-hmm. they're, they're not running big game in Kansas. Yep. But you travel up to Wisconsin and yep, Michigan. And, and uh, anyway, what what do these dogs mean to you? I mean, what's it like having a fam such a rich family history with? Oh, it's with awesome. These it's awesome. Uh, it's it's kind of cool having you know in our family having that claim to fame. You know, with my brother <laughs> and my dad, and you know, in our in our uh, grandfather having that in our family it's awesome yeah, yeah, yeah. it's definitely been fun uh you know i didn't I didn't have video games and stuff as a kid i mean that's what you grew up doing you grew up going outside and, and playing with the dogs and yep. See, run, yeah. and running running alongside yep. the creek and you know going coon hunting and falling off logs and yeah. into the creek and you're brandon how old are you 48 okay so that many years apart and still both of them are doing the same thing he hunted yeah. with gunner and colton hunted with buster and you know what yeah, i'm saying yeah. yeah i mean yeah it's so it's, it's been it's been, been an awesome ride yeah. and it's uh, okay so we're across the creek we've got banjo uh, uh tater and and rustin mm-hmm. and me and we're across the creek and for some reason you decided you needed to bring a 22 magnum rifle out of my pickup over to the creek and you decided you'd walk across that log and it's winter. It is cold, dead, I definitely dead thought twice about it. <laughs> and so all of a sudden we hear this splash, and I don't know what it was, and then all of a sudden this kid climbs up out of the creek, and he's got that twenty-two Magnum, and he's got water above his waist, and it is, <laughs> it's, it's 15 degrees out. It's just cold. Yeah. He said, I thought you said you needed this, this rifle. I said, no, I, I, I didn't say that. He said, well, I just brought it in here just in case. <laughs> and so we get over to the pickup. We shoot the coon out with my pistol, and we get over to the pickup, and he said, I think I got water in my boots, and we took his boots off, and there was more than a quart and a half of water in each boot, each one of his boots. And he just walked all the way. degree weather. Yeah. 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 If it hadn't been sloshing, it would probably froze. Needless yeah. to say, I don't have very good balance. So, <laughs> But we've, well, it's, 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 it's introduced us to a lot, a lot of people. And, and even brands, back in Brandon's day, it took yeah. us to a lot of miles, to a lot of places yeah. we would never have been, you know. And, yeah. and we're, we're, we're going to Bear Camp in Michigan this year. And we, you know, we're planning on going, having some fun up there. And yeah. uh, Colton's butch dog is up there. We might have old Reno back with us by then. And, uh, and you know, take him along because the truth is he, uh, he still sneaks away from a lot of good fast dogs. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Well, in closing, I'll say that uh, – I would have ne- probably never, because I didn't intentionally get back into hounds. Mm-hmm. It was kind of by accident. I always say that to people because I didn't expect to get, and, and I'm not saying that Fern's the best coon dog on the planet. I'm not oh, at it's all. Okay. But Go for ahead. me, for me, she was. <laughs> for me and my family, she yep. was. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and uh, and she she still is. Yeah. And uh, but it just it was just so fun to hunt with her and tree game and see the things yep. that she did yep. and. Uh, and uh, it it really changed the trajectory, and and now I've got yeah. I got another pup from well a dog from you, who, yeah. Jed, who's yeah. uh yeah. who's a character and a half, yeah. and super smart and, and out of Jed, scar, Jed and out, Fern, out of scar and Ch- yeah, and Jed's out, yeah. of, mm-hmm. out of scar, the the female yeah. that he was yeah. talking about yeah. earlier. Uh, but, scar uh, was a different dog. She yeah. But it, the, it, here's here's the I guess a conclusion talking about how it has has brought you in. Yeah to so many different people and relationships and stuff we have taken more on this podcast we talk uh steve a lot about you know the trajectory of hunting and recruiting new hunters and different things 
I, of all the big game hunting that I've done, I have taken exponentially more new hunters out coon hunting than anything else. I yep. bet we've taken. I mean, yep. we, we've been we've been talking about this. I don't know how many. River, did you just punch him? <laughs> River, <laughs> River Newcomb and her friends. Uh, River just punched her little brother. Uh, we. Uh, <laughs> I bet we've taken a hundred people. Yeah, but see that, that have that, never that, coon hunted. That, but that's that's what it's all about, though. See, that, I mean, yeah. it's not all it's not all about killing game, guys. It's it's about it's about. But being when out you have there. a when you have a good dog, it's fun to take but somebody with but, you. But once again, she's not going to embarrass you. See what I'm saying? I mean, most of the time she doesn't. Yeah. And so that's what it's all about. You, yeah. you, nobody wants to be embarrassed. So you you breed and and and, and as you're making your your culling decisions and your in your picking stuff. You say, okay, which one of these dogs is definitely the best? Because I don't want to be embarrassed, you know. And yeah. if when I if when I get so I can't do it, I will sh- I will shut down immediately. You know, I'll call my buddy, say, okay, guys, I'm done, and, and I'm going to turn it over to somebody else. And Colton wants to take over, he can, and and uh, you know, go yeah. from there. So, well, hey, thanks for uh, thanks for meeting me over here, guys. Colton, Steve, it was, Brandon, it was a pleasure. Really. Yep. Uh, my pleasure to get to talk with you guys. We could talk for hours. Uh, I know oh. this guy right here. <laughs> we could talk for hours, and uh, and we'll do this again sometime okay. when okay. we're together. Um, we will. We are going to have. Uh, we're going to release another podcast, hopefully about breeding, which we're going to. Anyway, that won't yep. make sense in the timing of this. Yep. But hey, thanks for meeting with me. And uh, as we always say on this podcast, when we close, Steve. Keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live. Yeah, okay. I like that. I like that. I do. I do. do. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Thanks, guys. After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire-charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold.